Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. We continue in our series, The Life of Joseph, in Genesis chapter 42, starting at verse 1. Go through Joseph. Joseph is the bottleneck, as everyone must go through him to buy food from Egypt, the only bread source left in the global famine. Come to Joseph for the bread of life. Joseph becomes a type of Christ. There's a lot of parallels, similarities, spiritual significance as Joseph kind of mirrors Jesus in his life and in his ministry. It's true, everyone must go through Jesus, right? And Jesus is the bread of life. Remember, Joseph has gathered grain in Egypt because he knew through the dream of the coming famine, a Pharaoh's famine, and so Joseph has stockpiled food for seven years during the plenty, and now it is seven years of famine. The famine has spread through the known world. There's only one place to go, down to Egypt, and Joseph runs the show. He's on the throne, second in command, controlling the food and watching everyone who comes, and you must go through Joseph if you want to live. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. And I just like that parallel. The bread of life, Jesus, and of course Joseph is giving the bread of life, saving the known world. But Joseph is also in a search. He's had dreams, but I believe Joseph's most important dream. It's not recorded. I think it's a dream deep in his heart. It's a longing. It's a hope. He wants his family again. He wants to reunite with his brothers, especially his favorite Benjamin, his baby brother, even his brothers who did him dirty. I think Joseph has finally forgiven them and forgotten, and he wants to be restored, restoration, to have the family back. He loves his father, Jacob. He so desperately wants his family back again. And he uses the situation of the bread. He controls it. He's the bottleneck. He's the door. He's the gate. You must go through him to get the food. And I believe every day he's watching He's searching, he's hoping, maybe one of the servants will come, maybe a family member, maybe the brothers will come all the way down to Egypt to get food, and his final dream will come true. Get brothers to Egypt. It is God's plan. He's sovereign. He has a plot. He's going to work out his purposes and the good news, Jesus wants you to be part of his plan. And I do believe you are Jesus' highest and most important dream. Genesis 42, verse 1. Now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. And Jacob said to his sons, Why are you staring at one another? 
You ever have kids like that? They're just kind of lazy. I want to play video games. I want to watch cartoons. I just want to goof around. I don't want to do chores. I don't want to take care of business. And they're just standing around watching the carpet grow, right? <laughs> and dad is like, come on, you guys. Take some action. Verse 2, he said, behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some food for us from that place so that we may live and not die. We're getting hungry. The crops have failed. We've eaten all the animals, right? We're running out of food. The situation is getting serious, and we must take action. You're going to have to go on a journey. You're going to have to buy some groceries. You're going to have to put some feet to your faith. Our church does have a powerful food ministry. We give free groceries every Monday at 11. And I used to be a part of it and helped, and sometimes it gets really big, sometimes it gets small, but it's always feeding. And we'll get calls and people that will say, well, Pastor, can't you, you know, bag it up and deliver it to me and put it in my shelves and cook it for me and put it in my mouth? And I'm like, no, but if you're really hungry, you will come, right? And you get some people, they want you to do deliveries and spend all your day and all your gas. And I'm figuring, man, if you're employed and you have a car, you come down, you got time. Or we'll help you with the bus ticket. You come down, you beg it, you get it, you cook it, you take it home, right? You got to show some effort and the whole world is coming to Egypt. It's the last grocery store. It's the last bakery for bread, if you will. Verse 3. Then ten brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. Verse 4. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, I am afraid that harm may befall him. I'll send a group of you if you protect each other. There's a band of you, ten. But I'm not sending all of you. I'm not sending my favorite or my new favorite, Benjamin. I've already lost my favorite, Joseph. You know, I guess he was attacked by those wild animals and his bloody coat of many colors, like the brothers said. Dad bought it believed the lie. I've lost my favorite, and now Benjamin, the baby, he is my favorite, and I'll not lose him. He will not go with you. He will stay safe at home with me. I'm going to protect him, the protective parent, right? He's my favorite because he's from my favorite wife, polygamy. The wife that I truly loved had two sons, and Benjamin is all I have left. My little baby boy, he will not go with you. Verse 5, so the sons of Israel came to buy grain among those who were coming, for the famine was in the land of Canaan also. It had spread all the way to the promised land, all the way to this little Jewish family. It is God's plot. It is God's plan. It's his way of getting them down to Egypt. 
Jesus also escaped to Egypt, if you remember. After his birth, King Herod said, I'm going to kill this king of the Jews. I'm going to wipe out all the babies, right? Was it baby boys? And so an angel warned his father, Joseph, take you and Mary and the baby and flee to Egypt. Run for your lives and protect my baby boy, Jesus. And then later, the dream comes back. You know, now it's safe. Herod is dead. A new Herod reigns. And now come back from Egypt to the promised land. And it was a prophecy. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And so you see the parallels with Joseph and Jesus. Verse 6. Or let me say this before we go to verse 6. God has sent you, and you maybe are thinking, well, why are we going to Reno? It's like Egypt, right? It's just coincidence. You know, family, a job, a situation. It's fate. It's my karma. Oh, no. God has a plan for you, too. And he's been tracking you down. And he sent you to where he wants you to go to put all the pieces together. God has a dream, and you are in his dream. God's dreams come true, verse 6. Now, Joseph was the ruler of the land. The NIV, I think the King James says the governor. He is number two, second to Pharaoh, the second most powerful, kind of like the vice president of not just a country, but of an empire. Joseph rules. Joseph has the power. Joseph has his throne, his fancy servants and chariots, his Egyptian royal garments, his gold, his silver. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. Joseph is running the show. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. It's amazing. It's just like the dream you had, Joseph. Do you remember? Do you remember the 11 sheaves? And they made a circle around your sheaf, and they bowed down, and yours stood upright, kind of like enthroned. And then the second dream, the confirmation, the 11 stars, the sun and the moon, surrounded you, and they bowed before you, Joseph. Do you remember? And first it starts with the family at the farm, right? And the dream is coming true. The 11 brothers, right? In the end, they will all bow. I guess right now we have 10. Benjamin will come later and bow. But they all bow down. And then the dream goes from the farm and the sheaves and the fields to now the constellation because the whole world will bow before the great Joseph. Do you see it? The dream expands. It spreads. And everyone is bowing. You know, when Joseph told his brothers they hated him and they hated the dreams, and they said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? 
or are you really going to rule over us? You're my snot-nosed little brother. I'll knock you out. (laughs) Oh, no, the dream has come true. And the brothers are bowing with their face in the dirt before Joseph, but they don't even know it's him. They think he's this Egyptian governor with, with the makeup, with the shavings, with the garments, with the crowns, with the necklaces. They don't even recognize his brother after some, what, 13, 14 some years. He's changed. But the dreams really do come true when they're from God. Verse 7. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he disguised himself to them and spoke to them harshly. And he said to them, where have you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. It's his brothers. They're from the right place. He recognizes them. They were older brothers. He understands the the markings, the facial recognition. It's my brothers, their voices. They're from the right place. Everything is lining up. The dreams are coming true. Verse 8. But Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them and said to them, You are spies, and you have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. I know who you are. You're traitors. Verse 10. They said to him, No, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. It's interesting, as they bow, and now they call Joseph their Lord. And they say this phrase, You're our Lord, my Lord, and we are your servants. They bow, and they confess, and they tremble before mighty Joseph. Do you see how the tables have turned and their tune has changed before? It's like, I'll beat you up, little brother. Now I bow before you and you're my Lord and I am your servant. We used to yell, you're not the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. Clean up your own mess, right? (laughs) My Lord, please, I'm your servant. Verse 11. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. Please, we all come from one family. We all have one father, Jacob, right? Do you remember the story? Jacob has 12 sons. They become the 12 tribes of Israel. The brothers are connected all through one father, but Four different mothers. So we have full brothers, we have half brothers, and it is the ultimate blended polygamist family. Verse 12. Yet he said to them, No, but you have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. But they said, Your servants are twelve brothers in all, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Behold, the youngest is with our father today, little Benjamin, the baby boy, right? Father won't let him out of his sight. He doesn't trust us. 
and one is no longer alive. One of our brothers is dead. Joseph is dead. They're keeping the family secret. It's a lie. Joseph was not dead. They lied to their father. They fooled everybody. They're keeping the secret going. You have a family secret, the skeletons in the closet. You keep the family secret going because what if somebody finds out? But it's Joseph there and he knows the lie because he's alive. He was never killed by wild beasts and that fake bloody coat of many colors from animals' blood. He was sold as a human slave into Egypt. His brothers sold him out. He knows the truth. Verse 14, Joseph said to them, it is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you will be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Joseph has a plan. Bring baby brother, Benjamin, Joseph's favorite, his only full brother, his brother who never deceived him, sold him out, gave up on him. I want my baby brother. He is my favorite. He's vulnerable. Maybe just like they hurt me, they're going to hurt him. You hear of children where they leave a home, a home of abuse and horrible things, and the sibling always worries. You know, I was the oldest I got out, but I fear for the younger ones, they're still there. I fear for Benjamin. I want Benjamin here, where I can protect him, where he is out of your hands. The 12 tribes of Israel. Do you know the names? Of course, Reuben is firstborn. Reuben was a good guy. Reuben took responsibility and tried to protect Joseph. And he told the others when they were ready to kill Joseph, no, no, let's put him in this, in this cistern, in this well. Please, let's protect him. And then when he was gone, they sold him without Reuben's consent. Simeon was the next in charge, the next oldest. He should have took responsibility, but he joins the plot and sells his brother, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, daddy's favorite, Benjamin, the baby, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Twelve brothers in all. I believe God has dreams for you. His dreams, his divine dreams that will come true, but you must receive them, you must remember them. Do you see, Joseph remembers the dreams. And you must wait for them. Joseph had to wait like some 13, 14 years for some of the dreams to come true. And you think your dream's just a couple months old and you're tired of waiting for God. Joseph waited a long time for God's dreams. Verse 16. Send one of you that he may get your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you 
but if not by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. I'm going to lock you all up. I'll let one of you go free so he can come back and get your baby brother. What is his name? Benjamin? And send him here. Joseph has the power. Joseph is plotting, I want my baby brother out of your hands and into mine. Do you see it? 17. So he put them all together in prison for three days. Bind them. Lock them up. Close the steel bars. And let them experience what I experienced. And what they did to me, I will do to them. Do you see it? The tables have turned. What goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. Do you see it? The brothers betrayed Joseph. They sold him as a human slave. And he was taken down to Egypt, sold on the auction block, treated like an animal. And then you know the story, thrown into prison, falsely accused of rape, yes, left in a prison cell. And now he locks them up. And I think as they're being bound, as they're being thrown in a cell, they start to think. A lot of times, jail, I don't know if you've ever been in a jail cell, but jail can be time to think. It's kind of what I call adult timeout, right? Sit on this stool for 10 minutes and then come back and tell me what you did wrong, you know? And you think about your actions. You think, why am I here? Why am I in this cell? Has God got your attention yet? And they start to remember, what did I do? What did I do to Joseph? Maybe this is how he felt. And you start to empathize and to sympathize and to put yourself into your victim's shoes. And that person that you did wrong, that family member, that friend, that loved one, now you can relate because now you're in the same boat. Do you see it? It's Joseph's plan. He has had a long time to think, right? 12, 13 years. What should I do when I see them? I'll accuse them as being spies. I'll lock them up. I'll make them sit there and think about what they did to me. God's got a plan. There's a reason you're in that cell. There's a reason you've been bound. There's a reason you were incarcerated, you were fired, you were left all alone, put into isolation, flat on your back in that hospital room. Because God wants you to think, to remember, to focus, to get your attention. And we always say when you hit bottom, it's time to look up. It's time to pray. I think Joseph's brothers are praying. They're thinking. They're remembering. Verse 18. Now, Joseph said to them, on the third day. Now, for a little kid, they might need three minutes of time out. A teenager might need three hours. 
but sometimes adults need three days <laughs> to sit and think and to sulk and to, you know, clear your mind, you know, open up to God. I've talked to many uh, incarcerated in Washoe County Jail, even church members. And they tell me, I've been sitting here locked in this cell, you know, locked down 23 hours. And all I could do was talk to the chaplain and ask for a Bible, you know, or read a Christian book from the library that we donated to Washoe County, you know, read a book about God, listen to God's voice. He's speaking to you in the quietness for three days. Joseph pulls them out and he says, do this and live, for I fear God. How ironic. Why would a great pagan Egyptian governor think about the true God, Yahweh? Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567, and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.